I'm going to share this episode with my wife. <clears throat> Reset expectations here. I like it. Hey, howdy, hey. Welcome back for another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop, or PFFTHT, as we don't like to call it. It's a mouthful. I'm your host, Kyle Hill, and that was Woody from Toy Story, if anybody's familiar. I hope you are. Um, good franchise, good good movies. Those, those are great movies. Uh, make my wife teary-eyed, and I'm not going to lie, as a parent, I get a little choked up too, so... <laughs> if we're being honest, uh, for Halloween, actually, uh, a couple years ago, we actually dressed our boys up as Buzz and Woody. Um, so that was pretty cool. They looked adorable and their costumes were great because it was pajamas. So it worked out as dual purpose and they're still wearing them. So, um, anyways, on today's episode, we're speaking with two fabulous estate planning attorneys in Jessica Kimbrell and Jamie Weiss. And we discuss estate planning necessities for young adults. Now, don't hit the snooze. I know when you hear estate planning, you think that doesn't affect you, and that is for the super wealthy. Not so fast, in the words of Lee Corso from College Game Day. What we're talking about here are things like who should take care of your kids in the event something happened to you, and who gets to decide what happens with all your stuff when you die. I know that's not necessarily something you want to think about, um, however... Extensive studies have been done, and there is a 100% chance you're going to die. So, not to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, what do you want? Some random judge making all those decisions for you, or do you want a person you know, love, and trust to carry out your wishes? I'll let you be the judge of that, but um, I think if the last year and a half, oh, oh hell, let's just call it two, because we're basically there. The last two years have taught us anything. We never know what the future holds, and we want to be prepared. Before we dive right into it, I need to remind you this is for educational purposes only and is not meant to be taken as advice because I am not your advisor. However, I could be if I did my proper due diligence and evaluated your personal situation. The best way to get that process started is to schedule a call with me, and you can do so by going to my website located in the show notes. It's me pointing down to the show notes. Everything is always in the show notes, including the walk-up songs. And to show your appreciation, do us a solid and drop us a review. Five stars, by the way, is the appropriate number of stars. Much appreciated for those that do. Um, and uh, this was recorded uh, a little over a month and a half ago, so it is a little delayed. I got caught up, so I do apologize on the delay. Um, ladies, uh, Jessica, Jamie, sorry about that, uh, but uh, no time like the present to get this posted. So without further ado, here is my interview with Jessica and Jamie. All right. Welcome, Jamie and Jessica. Thank Jessica. you. <laughs> who, who should I put first? <laughs> I'm just, I'll, let, I'll let Jessica go first. All right. How, how are we doing? Jessica, you said you're recovering from a cold. Recovering from a cold, so I didn't do, I, yeah, it was, I mean, I had a little bit of fun, but it was relaxing too, so it was good. So you I obviously am. didn't watch the Chiefs game. Um, I watched, I watched as much as I could stand before I just had to, I'm like, I can't sit here and watch this debacle anymore. 
Yeah, it's weird yeah. what's happening. I kept turning it off and then coming back and then turning it off and then coming back and it just wasn't helping. Yeah, I, I had to stop and like go, go fold laundry in a different room for a little yeah. bit. It was yeah. sad. <laughs> I think it's my fault. I didn't make it to church yesterday. So, <laughs> but I mean, they've been, yeah, I don't Have know. you not I gone since? last february is that is that the problem <laughs> i guess so i guess so. No. um i did have my men's my uh, men's group uh saturday morning so uh, we did do that but uh at my church but um yeah i don't know it's weird i keep saying i think we're gonna be okay you know mm-hmm. we'll be all right i think we're still gonna win the west i actually in my recent blog post uh for the kansas state financial advisors network um i, I said i still think we're gonna win the west I'm starting to sweat that one a little bit. I'm not a record, <laughs> no so. but, I was uh, with you. I was with you until yesterday. I, I really thought they were going to figure it out, but I, I just, I don't see it. No. I just don't see them figuring it out. Like it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. I know. It's just doesn't feel the same at all. Yeah. So, oh, well. So are the, are the two of you big sports fans or just chiefs? Yes. I, am. I love sports. Okay. Yeah. The Chiefs, Jayhawk basketball and uh and football is great, except like they don't usually I love my rock chalk Jayhawk, but we don't really put out a football team most years. I'm hoping that's changing. And so Saturday was really exciting and I spent a lot of time yelling at the TV, but um <laughs> but I'm kinda used to that. <laughs> With KU, it's kind of new, new with the Chiefs, but then and of course also the Royals. So there we go. Yeah, I'd say I'm mostly f- I'm football, college basketball, and um, the Royals. Although I didn't, I only made it to one game this year. Same one Royals yeah. game. Oh well. Well, you didn't miss much. <laughs> it's it's always fun going out there. We yeah. take the boys out there um, several times a season. So. Um, yeah, hopefully next year. It's always next year. So, yes. um, we, uh, we went the last, the last weekend of the homestand when Salvi had already tied the record. And, you know, so every, how, every time we was at the plate, we were just like, come on, break the record, break the record. So that was, I think it was literally October 1st was the game that we went. And so maybe a week or so ago, uh, my daughter said, Hey, is the Royal season done? And I, I said, well, yeah we went to like one of their last games. She said, well, did that guy get that record he was going for? And I was like, do you mean Salvi? You don't, how do you not know who Salvi is in this family? Like it's, it's crazy. So my husband and I love sports, but somehow neither my son nor my daughter who are 13 and almost 11, they so old enough to, to know what's going They just, they're just like, Oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, they don't. They don't know the pain that we have felt for decades as Chiefs and Royals fans. So, you know, isn't just... that funny? We yeah. feel the same way. My oldest daughter, we have two girls, nine and seven, and our oldest loves. She likes to watch the Chiefs games with us. But yesterday, she was like playing with a neighbor friend, and she's like, "Come outside and get me when the second half starts." And she came inside, and we're like, "Not sure you want to watch this yeah. one, honey." Like. <laughs> Not sure you want to spend your time on the couch with us because it's not looking good. And then our youngest really could care less. But our oldest is kind of into it. And she, like, knows the terminology and stuff, which is fun. But, um, 
yeah, <laughs> she, she, yeah. she wasn't into it yesterday. She's like, no, we're going to lose. I'm not going to watch. Yeah. I don't think the chiefs were into it yesterday. So that <laughs> makes sense. Well, I was about to throw my kid out of the car because he was uh, asking who the chiefs play. I said, Oh, they're playing the Titans. We're losing. He's like, Oh, go Titans. I'm like, what? Uh <laughs> and he's like, well, so his name's Thomas. He's like, well, their logo's a T for Thomas. I'm like, it's a it's a sword, um, but it does make a T for the Titans. But we're we're Chiefs fans. Um, don't say that again, or you can get yes. out and walk. Yeah, yes, we're Chiefs fans, yeah. or you sleep outside. That's that's yeah. your option. So so then, what did he do? I looked back. He smiled. He said, "Go Titans." <laughs> my my wife always says it's little Kyle versus Big Kyle. Uh, <laughs> say I say, hey, you married me, so you you get the benefit of both. But uh, yeah. <laughs> So awesome. Yeah. On that, uh, KU game. So I'm a wildcat. So, mm -hmm. uh, but I, I am cheering for every team that plays Texas and OU to just beat the crap out of them as sure. they mosey yeah. on to the sec. So I was, I was actually kind of hoping KU could pull that one out. Uh, you know, I saw it was 10 to zero. So I was like, can we just stop the game here and call it? <gasps> I said the um, same thing at halftime. I was like, stop the count. Stop the count. Like, we're not, yeah. I don't, I've seen, I've seen everything I need to see from this game. Like I'm yeah, good with stopping yeah. right here, but so. they didn't. <laughs> oh, well. But uh, yeah. So um, awesome. Well, let's, let's uh, kind of dive right in here. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourselves um, Jamie, do you want to go first since I didn't really ask you how you're doing and how your weekend was? <laughs> I apologize. Uh, that's okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm sorry, Kyle, do we want a 30 second version or do we want like Jamie's five minute life story? <laughs> you pick. Okay. Um, it's like Panera, the you pick, you pick two, <laughs> you pick. Okay, so I am an estate planning attorney in the Johnson County area. I grew up in Wyandotte County, um, so I am very familiar with the northern Johnson County, Wyandotte County areas. This is, you know, my stomp these are my stomping grounds. Um, I live and work in Shawnee now. When I went to law school, um, I went with a criminology degree because I was going to be a prosecutor. <laughs> and <laughs> And so, um, obviously, uh, things changed somewhere along the line. Um, and when it kind of turned in, became obvious that I was not going to be a prosecutor, I almost had a mini, you know, quarter-life crisis trying to figure out, well, do I stay in law school? Like, where do I go from here? Because I wanted to be a prosecutor. I did not want to be a lawyer. Like, I specifically wanted to be a prosecutor. And literally nobody has ever grown up in the history of the world. I feel very comfortable with what I'm getting ready to say that wanting to say like, when I grow up, I want to be a probate attorney. I mean, we don't even know what probate is or what estate planning is. Right. So, um, unless you're an estate planning attorney, um, but I am so glad that, you know, my life did not work out the way that I had scripted it. Um, I, love, absolutely love what I do. Um, very few people can say that. And I'm not even really certain a lot of estate planning and probate attorneys can say that. I I don't know how most people end up in this profession. I'll, Jessica, I'll be really interested to hear your story. Um, 
But when I was in law school, I had an uncle who passed away and it, he had cancer. So it was not unexpected. He had everything in line. It made things, you know, I could see that things were a little bit easier on my aunt. Um, Not that, not that losing a spouse or losing a father is, is ever easy, but if you at least have guidelines and, and a path for them to walk down in place, it really, it really can help ease some of that burden. And so I went from, you know, wanting to viciously fight in the fight for justice in the courtroom to, you know, fighting for, for peace and calm for my clients. It's a, it's a different kind of fight. Um, and I, I absolutely love it. I love helping navigate people through, you know, uh, the, the hardest, some of the, the most traumatizing grief that they're going to walk through. Um, I love being that person that they can rely on to make sure that they, they know where they're going and how to get there. Even if the road is bumpy, like I, I'm going to be there with them 100% of the time. So that's my story. Very cool. Um, what made you, what was the thing that made you switch from wanting to be a prosecutor? So, um, it just, uh, this is maybe going to make me sound perhaps very conceited, but like, I never got a B until law school, you know, that sort of thing. Everything was just always, everything I tried for, I got, I woke up in the morning, decided I wanted to be a cheerleader and I was a cheerleader. I decided I want to play volleyball. I played volleyball. I'm five foot four. There's no reason I should have been able to play volleyball, you know, but so, and then I got to law school and every door was slammed shut in my face. And it was, it was the first time in my life that I'd really encountered um, people actually trying for something and not getting it. Like it it was a, it was a weird experience. And so that's why I started to founder because I just, I I didn't know what to do. I had never had to have, had to enact, I should say a plan B really up to that point. Um, Not that my life was easy or perfect, mind you, but um, I just, if I tried for it, I got it. And that was not happening. So what's really funny is I don't even remember these guys' names. The, I, I went to I went to law school with them. They sat behind me in the estates or uh, in property, property one and property two, which is where you learn the very very basics of estates and real estate and everything else. And when we got to that estate part, I was the gunner in the class. I was the one wanting to answer every single question. And at this point, this wasn't even on on. I had no idea that I actually really liked this. And we all had our computers um, and where we would take notes, but I was always playing solitaire or something as I was answering every single question in class. And so these guys behind me who, by all means, like I said, I can't remember their names, but I remember thinking they were very much smarter than I was and, and very much more on top of things. And they were like, how do you do that? How do you play solitaire and answer these complicated, ridiculous rule against perpetuities questions and all of these things? Like, I can't even follow along and, and, and I'm fully invested in this class. And just the just that offhanded conversation that I had with them, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe there's something to this. You know, if 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 this is just coming naturally to me, maybe I should. Maybe I should look into this a little more. And that was around the same time that my my uncle passed away. And so I wouldn't say it was it was one thing. I would say it was several things that 
maybe a year or so after that conversation is really when I had the epiphany of, okay, this, this is my, this is what I'm supposed to be doing kind of a thing. Awesome. Um, you went to UMKC, right? For law school? Uh, for undergrad, but I went to KU for law school. KU for, okay. Okay. Um, awesome. Awesome. Uh, Jessica? Yeah. Tell us about yourself. Well, this is going to sound really crazy now because, uh, Jamie, we might be the same person in a different body because um, I also majored in criminology and then went to law school <laughs> and undergrad. And, then, and um, I also was a cheerleader and played volleyball. And, uh, okay, okay. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> and I also wanted to be a prosecutor when I first started law school or thought I wanted to be. So, um yeah, this so many parallels. This is really fun. Uh, so, uh, I gosh, when I started law school, I was 28 and I was married. So I was a non-traditional law student. Um, I had realized a couple of things that I knew I didn't want to do with my life, and so I thought, oh, what's the next logical step? Go to law school. Um, so I went to law school. Started out thinking, um, and, oh, and also like you, Jamie, like when I was in my, you know, growing up, if I wanted to do something, I worked at it and I did it. I made it happen. And law school that first semester was very humbling <laughs> and very, you know, you're learning a whole new language. And I'm like, you know, five or six years older than most of the people that are also first year law students, which really was not that big a deal. But, um, you know, I'm all excited. I'm like, yes, criminal law. That's going to be my favorite class. And it was, but it was not my best grade my first semester. Anyway, um, the second and third year law students told me, like always would say to us um, first years or one L's as we were called. Um, you need to take trust in the states next year because it's tested really heavily on the bar exam. I'm like, okay, okay. sounds good. So once you get past that first year and you get to start taking electives, that was one of the first ones that I picked. And um, I went into it just thinking, oh, now I'm finally going to learn what my dad does because my dad's been now an estate planning attorney in St. Charles, Missouri, which is where I grew up. Um He's been at it now for 47 years, I think, 48, something crazy. And, um, but I never truly understood what he did. And then I started to understand it once I took that trust in the states class. And I was like, oh, like the light bulb came on. And I'm like, this is what my dad does. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I guess it was sometime during my second year, maybe the end of it. And I went and, did a clerkship for an estate planning attorney. Um, and I got to learn all kinds of stuff. I got to learn more about probate, estate planning, just in general. And I got to dive a little bit into special needs trust, which was great. Um, and then after law school, um, I took a break to study for the bar and then he kept me. So I got to work with him and um, I just haven't really looked back. So it was an accident for me to, uh, I guess, choose estate planning um, or maybe estate planning chose me. I'm not really yes, sure. I was just going to say, I think um, it chooses you. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I was very um, 
resistant to be that cliche, you know, law student that does the exact same thing as their parent who's an attorney, but I'm really glad I did. I love, um, I think my favorite part about what I do, um, I don't do it. I do some probate work, but not a ton. I really folk, I do more of just estate planning. And um, I, the thing I love the most really is just getting to know my clients and getting to walk through their lives with them. And as their life changes and things come up and things happen, their plan can change. And then mm-hmm. I've been, my favorite, what I really, really love is that I've been really lucky to get to work with, you know, maybe mom and dad, and then maybe they send send me like one of their siblings. And then maybe as their kids get older, they come to me. So I've gotten to work with many different members of some families. And that's really, really a lot of fun for me. So I, I've always been a people person and very non-confrontational. So why I wanted to be a prosecutor, I'm really not sure other than I think I just really wanted to put the bad guys away, you know? Yeah. Um, and then I just, quickly realized that I really didn't like a lot of the things that I was hearing about what actually happens in the, the lawsuit process. Um, and that part of the, or that legal process. Um, so here I am getting to work with people about something that's very, very important. And, um, I get a lot of what I do that I also love is what we're doing right here today is kind of as educating people because People just don't know what they don't know. Like, Kyle, I can't walk in your shoes today or tomorrow or any other day and work with your clients and do the job for them that you do for them. And I don't speak your language. And so yeah. a lot of what I do is just what we're going about to do today. And that's just like really provide a lot of information to people about how estate planning works, how it can help them, how it can help other people in their family loved ones. Cause like you, Jamie, you having your uncle who passed away while you were in law school. Um, that was probably very eye opening for you as a law student, of course. Right. Yeah. And now we get to help these people like kind of prevent, um, further unpleasantness, I guess, yeah. when yeah. somebody That's- passes away. So it's, um, it's important work. I really love it. I love my clients and I just feel lucky that I get to help people in this way. So good. Good deal. Um, my buddy, uh, my buddy, Andrew rap, he calls tongue in cheek, um, St. Charles, the struggle. He's from St. Charles area. (laughs) Really do. Um, that always rings in my head when somebody says St. Charles, Missouri. I'm like, yeah. Um, no, very cool. Uh, so very timely. Last night I was watching, you talk about prose- being a prosecutor. I was watching uh, the movie It was on TV, Law Abiding Citizen last night. <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, okay. So um, I don't know if you've ever seen that one. With, I don't uh, think I've uh, even heard of it. Me neither. <laughs> Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler and Jamie Foxx. It's huh. a... Okay. It's a good movie. Um, I don't know. Kind of makes you think twice about being in the... the prosecutor legal profession (laughs) but i don't know it's it's an adult movie we'll put it that way it's a good one but um you know yeah well i think with prosecutors attorneys like we have to zealously represent 
our client, whatever that might mean. And when it comes to defense attorneys, that is every potential, like if there's any misconduct, if there's any error on the, you know, they have to exploit that, even if ultimately their client did exactly what, what they're charged with doing. Yeah. And conversely, the prosecutors, you know, they have to zealously represent the the needs of the people. So it's, it's the best system out there, but it's still an ugly system for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a movie. So, yeah. um, yeah. but, you know, <laughs> um, there's probably some, I'm sure it's based it. on real events. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm, you know, that that's the thing is once I learned, I think that, uh, what happens on TV and in the movies in the legal, the legal system on TV is not reality. Jessica, it's, I don't know about you. When I watch like Law and Order or any, my <laughs> husband absolutely refuses to watch any sort of procedural legal show with me because I just spend the whole time yelling at the TV. That's like, not that's not what plain view means. Yeah. What are you doing? You can't like, do that. No, that's not. Court. Judges don't sign that. Oh, and he's I just know. like it is TV. I don't watch them. Let it. Go. <laughs> I can't, I cannot, yeah. I, I just yeah. can't. Like some, sometimes like the movie Legally Blonde, you know that that's not going to be, <laughs> you know that that's not accurate. Right. Movie ever. You kind of know that going, I feel like going into watching a movie about Reese Witherspoon being right. an attorney. No offense. Yeah. I mean, I have blonde hair too. So, but like things like that, you would think it might be a little more accurate. And so it kind of makes me wonder, well, what do physicians think of and surgeons when they're watching like oh, Grey's yeah. Anatomy or <laughs> something like that. Like, is it, is that at all accurate? I don't know. There's, there's no like financial advisor show out there. We just, we just created <laughs> a new, you need a to new write idea. the pilot. Guys. You we need there to write a pilot episode. That's a good point. I wonder, I wonder why there isn't. Um, all right. We'll get, we'll get on that. So probate, do you, do you know Kurt McGuff? He works in Jackson County, I think mostly. But uh, I I avoid Jackson County okay. as much okay. as possible. So I'm in Clay County, so hey, um, <laughs> I'm north of the river, so I need a passport to come down there. So yes. um, yeah, yeah. No. You you all are like damn near Oklahoma from my perspective. So. <laughs> well, Jessica, um, definitely. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so, um, anyways, well, so. Uh, We'll dive into our topic, but uh, first, I don't know if you've listened to the show before. Um, no need to call you out, uh, but uh, we do our famous or infamous 15 minutes of fluff before we dive into our, our topic of the day. So um, are you ready for this? Sure. Absolutely. Let's do it. Used to be the lightning round, but then it like got to be not fast it was never really fast so we said you know 15 minutes of fluff and then it went to like beyond that so we just call it 15 minutes fluff see where it goes so um before i dive right in on our last episode with ethan hutchison he's another advisor here we uh did an episode on what to do with the old 401k during our 15 minutes of fluff i was asking him what uh, what sport he wanted to play that he's never played or um, whatnot. And um, mine, I always respond with my response. And my response was, I wanted to try bobsledding. Um, okay. Because like, didn't see that one coming. Where, where the, where the yeah. hell do you go practice bobsledding around here, right? Yeah. It's like anybody with a pole is a professional bobsledder. Because I feel like 
it's not a huge sport, right? And so we're like, where do you even go? Where's the local bobsledding track? And um, <laughs> right. I actually looked this up and there's only two places in the United States where you can actually go and bobsled. Oh. Um, that is Lake Placid, New York and Park City, Utah. Interesting. Um, which if my memory serves me correct, those are all places that all places we've had winter Olympics. So I think those were specially built for okay. the Olympics. So I don't think there was ever a place where you could go bobsledding before Lake Placid Olympics. <laughs> yeah. So anywho, wanted to clear that up because uh, we thought, you know, there's probably places in Colorado or something where yeah. you could go and ask. Yeah. Or... You would think. No, no, there's two, two places in the United States. So that's anyway. crazy. Team All USA right. needs so... to get on that. <laughs> so build, uh, build some new situations there. Yeah. Yeah. So first question for you all, since it's the time of the year, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Reese's peanut butter cups. Yes. I was going to say, it doesn't matter the time of the year. And my answer is yes. always Reese's. Jessica, we are the same well, person. I think we're the same person. <laughs> you just have like a, uh, um, what is that Will Ferrell movie? Step Brothers. Did we just become best friends? Yes. <laughs> Wait, Jamie, when's your birthday? Uh, it's in August. Okay. Mine's in January, so. Oh. August what? Sixth. Sixth. Okay. I'm the first. So oh, nice. it's always when you find somebody with an August birthday, I feel like. My husband and I actually have the same birthday. We're oh, both really? born on August 6th. It's four years. He's four years older than me. So not like the same exact day, but. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah. It's not as cool as it sounds because like i want mexican food for dinner and he's like i want barbecue and i'm like it's my birthday and he's like it's my birthday too and so <laughs> basically wife, neither of life. us have celebrated a birthday in 18 years so <laughs> <laughs> so do you buy your present for the other person it's like here it's what i wanted for my birthday we don't uh, we yeah. don't really we like we're grown adults, so we just kind of go go buy whatever we want. Yeah. Um, except for Christmas, there I buy ninety nine percent of every present under the tree, including <laughs> and like his family, my family, like networking. Me too. Like I take care of all of it, and I said I better have at least two surprises, and I don't care if they're like five dollars. I I really don't. I just want to have a couple surprises under the tree, but otherwise. You know, like we go out to eat a big fancy meal for our, for our anniversary. And so that's kind of our, our present to each other. Um, and then for, for our birthday, it's usually something um, something small. Like when I uh, I turned 40, womp womp, over the Wait, pandemic. What? And, um, and so you didn't really get to celebrate anything, you know, last August. And, um, so kind of as a, as a treat, I, I don't like coffee. Coke zero is my drug of choice. And so my husband went and got 40 bottles of Coke zero, you know, just little things like that. Aww. That is my love language more than like new jewelry or whatever. So that, yeah. yeah, we don't, I don't know. We don't really, Very cool. we don't really buy presents. We don't either. A really long answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell my we don't wife. either, though. We don't do anniversary gifts. We don't do Valentine's Day. We go on trips. So. Okay. Mm, okay. We don't even do that. My we husband go on trips. does not like to leave his house. 
I'm going to share this episode with my wife. <clears throat> Reset expectations here. I like it. Um, my candy of choice. Uh, Halloween candy of choice. 100 grand. Ah, what was that? Yeah, I like those. 100 grand. It's the oh, it's the man. chocolate covered. Is it caramel? That's inside. Pulling out all the surprises. Yeah, and then it's got it's got like a Nestle Crunch, the little corn rice bites or whatever. Hmm. Little okay. Corn pop. Yeah, I've seen yeah. them. I don't. I don't know that I've ever actually tried one. I just always the financial guy would say a hundred grand. Right. I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um. Okay. So next question. Jamie, we'll start with you. What is your favorite movie that involves estate planning? Why do you have to start? Like, did I? Why did you have to start with me on this one? Taking um, turns. I've got kids. We we take es- turns. Estate planning. I don't know, but I I don't know about a movie, but I can tell you my absolute favorite Parks and Recs Parks and Rec episode was okay. when Ron Swanson created his estate plan. Um, and left everything to the man who bests him. Um, that was one episode where I was still correcting everything that was going on, but cracking up the entire time. So you guys see this? Um, yes. He's awesome. He is awesome. <laughs> uh, Ron Swanson and um, Captain Holt. Captain Holt? Why does that sound wrong? From Brooklyn Nine Nine are probably the two best TV characters. I mean, and Michael Scott is also right up there, but totally. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. Is there an estate? Um, there's there's a movie that the name of it is escaping me, and it has a whole bunch has a cast full of famous people. It's um oh, Knives Out. Actually, yes. thank Knives you. Out. Knives Out. That's it. That, yes. Okay. I knew if I talked long enough, I'd come up with some. That's it. That's the one. Um, that's yes. the only one I can think of. I like I rewound that part where. Jamie Lee Curtis is yelling like he clearly wasn't in his right mind or else he wouldn't have left her all of this money like obviously and and the as the estate planning attorney is just like that's that's not what that means that's not how this works I don't know how many times I've had that conversation you know where it's like I'm really sorry but everybody but your spouse can be can be disinherited which you know yeah. dropping some knowledge on you guys with this answer right yeah. here it's true. Uh, nobody is guaranteed money other than your spouse under the law so Correct. um yeah it, that was such an entertaining i was much more amused with it than my husband was but yeah i yeah. loved that movie it's so a good one out knives that, out yep if you've not you, okay have Jamie you not Lee seen Curtis, it kyle okay. what's that it's re- it's really interesting if you have it. It's good, yeah. Yeah. I, I will put that in the show notes and I might have to check it out. I was just talking to my son the other day about, you know, when daddy was a kid on the weekends, a lot of times we'd go to Blockbuster <laughs> and rent a movie. Oh, yeah. All like every weekend. Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, uh, my gosh. I'm curious if that there's like one remaining blockbuster. It's up in like Bend, Oregon. I don't know if it's still there. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, so mine, my, my mine's a little bit of a. I don't know. Maybe you'll call it a stretch. I, I know it was kind of a vague, um, on on, on the question, but uh, little big league. So um, it's the one with uh, what character. Did, 
I don't know, but it's the one where he um, inherits the Minnesota Twins. His grandpa dies and leaves him the Minnesota Twins, and he's. I haven't seen that. Billy Haywood. Oh, it what ninety three, ninety four. It was awesome, um, and this is back when the Twins sucked. Well, I guess it would have been right after Kirby Puckett, but anywho, um, no, it's it's a it's a good one. Uh, the grandpa leaves the 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 grandson the uh, Minnesota Twins, the owner of the Minnesota Twins, and he's like this baseball like beautiful mind like he's just uh so intelligent about about baseball and so he as the owner he fires the uh the manager and so his 12 year old friends say you should be the manager and so (laughs) he ends up being like a 12 year old manager for a major oh my gosh and it's but that was my tie-in with estate planning as his, his grandpa left him. So it was funny. We just went up to Minnesota um, back the September 11th weekend to watch the Royals play the Twins. We watched two games, made it on TV. Um, nice. But <laughs> I, yeah, I don't ever want to, yeah, uh, camera might break. But um, we went on the tour and uh saturday morning and they were walking us around the target stadium and showing us all the different things and showing us uh all their retired numbers and i'm like so the kid's name in the movie is billy haywood and when he becomes a manager he wants to go by bill haywood billy's a kid's name um i asked the tour guide i'm like so where's uh where's bill haywood's number retired around here she didn't get my joke Like you've got Kirby Puckett and I don't know, uh, 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 Morneau. I don't know if they've retired him or, uh, um, yeah, but yep. Nobody gets my jokes. It's, <laughs> it's great. So, but yeah, it's, you have to check that one out now. All so. right. <laughs> so, um, awesome. Uh, next question. What? well-known estate planning or lack thereof case do you find most intriguing and why oh my gosh so i'm thinking like prince what philip seymour hoffman Um, i don't know any anything that is out there that you there's a lot out there free britney i actually um so gosh there's one and i'm i'm blanking on like the last name but it involves not just only estate planning, but financial planners as well. Um, so it's not like a celebrity, but there was an old, older woman, I'll call her grandma, and her two grandsons were financial, became financial advisors, and she moved all her money to, so that they could manage it for her. I don't um, know if I like where this is going. What? <laughs> I don't know if I like where this is going. Well, they were, um, so they, they were trustees of her trust and um, man also managing the investments in the trust, the assets. And they ended up putting so, putting a lot in risky, very risky investments and ended up losing a bunch of money and also ended up like, so they didn't. They weren't working in her best interest. They were working in their own best interest because they were making commissions off of the trades. Mm. And um, 
also they were eventually going to be beneficiaries of this trust. So I hope I'm not leaving too much out, but in the interest of time, I'm trying to keep it a little shorter. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. There's a lawsuit. They, they ended up losing, I don't know how many millions of dollars of her estate. Plus then there was the lawsuit. So, um, the, they're basically the fiendish fiduciaries. They're mm. not well behaved. They went against all of the different um, fiduciary obligations, which fiduciary is a word for all of you out there who've never heard it before. Basically, that's a word that carries with it a lot of responsibility. And um, you have to be have high integrity and be very morally and ethically together when you're working on behalf of somebody. So like Kyle is a fiduciary for all of you who work with him. Um, He's a fiduciary of your funds. Um, Anyway, I'm going to dive too deep there. But anyway, (laughs) so, so anyway, long story short, the grandsons were very poorly behaved. They lost, they gambled essentially their grandmother's money and their own inheritance and ended up losing her estate or, you know, not losing, but um, losing a lot of money in her estate. And like their family was never the same again because so it destroyed the family relationships. Um, If they hadn't, if they had done their job appropriately, they probably would have made money in the estate and therefore had more money for themselves as beneficiaries of her estate in the long run. And instead they were very selfish and unethical and did everything that you're not supposed to do when you're in that role. And so it just destroyed a lot of things in a lot of ways. And so um, I like that story because it, it could, I mean, it did actually happen, but it probably happens yeah. more often than in any of us actually ever hears about because it's, I mean, it's, that's a real situation where family wants to help family by having them manage money for you. And, oh, I'll help you grandsons by giving you these millions of dollars to manage and you're going to make money. And I know you're going to be good to me because I'm your sweet grandmother and you don't want to do any harm. Um, Anyway. So I like that story because it's um, pretty legit. Like that could happen. That could happen. That probably happens a lot, unfortunately. It sounds like they were duly registered advisors as a, uh, as a fee only advisor. I'm only registered as a investment registered, registered investment advisor. And so I don't make commissions on churning your account. Like it sounds like they were doing. So, um, we did cover fiduciary. We didn't do a specific episode on it, but it was tied in there on what either episode 13 what the hell is fee only or maybe it was episode 12 what the hell is a certified financial planner um or it might have been episode 10 what the hell is a financial planner so um that's just to get me to get people to listen to those episodes no um we we did talk about it um i think it was in certified financial planner because that is you take an we call it the four e's um the ethical oath to act as a fiduciary meaning you're legally obligated to place your client's interest above all else above your own mm-hmm. um so yeah i'll put that in the show notes um yeah. okay then there's interesting just You'll have very... to uh, send me the article or something on that i was gonna but... say then there's just the very um simple mistakes of howard hughes 
billions yeah. of dollars, didn't yeah. even write a will. And so then all of his cousins ended up getting everything. And um, I think it was Michael Jackson actually had a trust, but it was never funded. Never funded. Which, <laughs> to me, when you are Michael Jackson, like if you actually create a trust, that's on your attorneys. Like they're the ones totally. handling absolutely everything for you. So um, the fact that the attorneys were able to get him to sit down and sign a trust, but then weren't able to get him to put absolutely anything in it. I, you know, that that's always baffled me. Um, yep. It's, it's very difficult for me to update a beneficiary on a client's plan because I need all kinds of limited power of attorney documents and things like that. Um, but I'm, I'm certain Michael Jackson's attorneys had all of those in place and all of his money managers and everything else. So, um, you know, there's even just, like I said, just the simple cases of, oh, well, this is what I want to have happen. So I'm just going to speak it into the air, but not actually put anything in writing. It's not, it's not really how this works, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't have a favorite case. Um, I just, I just. I think those are mind boggling situations where you have all this money. How do you not do something to protect it? Right. Um, to make sure your wishes are carried out and not some judge who appoints someone. And um, I, that, 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 you know, that's why I wanted to bring it up. And I, I think it amplifies uh, these cases are kind of amplified of of the importance of estate planning, but it's it's an important issue for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That- it's the it's the only legal you know area of the law that we are all one hundred percent absolutely guaranteed to be impacted by at some no. point, either before or after death. Exactly. You know, either it's you. You know, I, I used to joke that I didn't do, you know, people would call for divorce or child custody or DUIs. And I say, oh, I'm sorry. I can't help with any, anything helpful. Ha ha ha. Cause I just always make jokes about everything. Um, but, but truly what Jessica and I do is the only area of law that we all, we all, once you hit 18 and people before that, depending on various factors, we all need. And those power of attorney documents, I'm not really going to get too far into this uh, because I know we're going to talk about them later. But, you know, power of attorney documents before your death will uh, after your death trust both both places. You know, we we all need something in place. Yep. Let's go. Let's start talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, we'll we'll get there in just a second. Uh, Detailed studies have shown that 100 percent chance you're going to die. Right. Yes. So. Yep. I feel very confident in backing you up on that. I do too. I, I yep. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into our topic, last question I ask everyone that comes on. Um, you both said you're baseball fans. What would your walk-up song be? Oh, oh, that's a good one. Hmm. And I will give you a second here. I'll go. I was struggling with this one. Um, I don't know. I, I was going to say that uh, uh, fancy like that. Uh, <laughs> I love uh, that song. I, I uh, My wife would probably make fun of me for saying that. Um, I It's funny because I heard it on uh, TV. I think I was watching Hulu or something. I saw the commercial, the Applebee's commercial. And then I was like, oh, that's catchy. Somebody actually, you know, saying 
And then I was on uh, Spotify listening to my Spotify and then it came on. I'm like, wait, no, this is a real song. <laughs> no way. So it, it's, I think it's funny, but um, I don't know. I'll, I'll okay. do a little throwback. Um, yeah. I'll do a little throwback. Jimmy Eat World in the middle. That's been popping up on Spotify. I'm like, yeah, that reminds me of high school, you know. That's fun. I don't know. Mine changes every episode, by the way. I would say, uh, yeah. Okay, I just because I ran to this song just this morning and it made me happy when it came on. So that's the one that just popped into my brain. But let me clear my throat. Which is a very old school hip hop song from the nineties. Yes. Is it that's ODB, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Isn't well it? And, and again, Jessica, we are the same person. I wasn't actually gonna say let me clear my throat, but I was gonna say it kinda like you, Kyle, like it just I don't know, would depend on the day because there's any number of songs that get me pumped up. But I am fairly certain that it would be some late nineties rap song you know <laughs> like like, like from hypnotize like Tupac, biggie something like that yes because um, again i don't know i guess we just all revert back to to high school and you know what got us pumped up then but but yeah if i'm jogging and hypnotize comes on i'm like oh yeah let's do mm-hmm. that, you know so mm-hmm. i don't know what song exactly but it, it would be late 90s early 2000 okay and, and i'm gonna say rap rap light maybe like um like nelly uh <laughs> yeah. rap adjacent <laughs> i'm down oh with my all gosh. that so so fun yeah. yeah um okay well we'll uh we'll put that in the show notes so I, I, mine would have to be like on shuffle cause I can't just be set on one song. So that's yeah, why mine changes every episode. Yeah. I just struggle <laughs> with this one. So, um, I'm more concerned about what everybody else is. So, <laughs> which is the opposite of what I tell other people, my kids don't focus on your brother, focus on you. So worry about yourself. So anywho. All right. Well, that's our 15 minutes fluff. We made it through. Um, we will put a thing in the, the show notes so individuals can skip the fluff so they don't have to deal with the whole um, 50 minutes leading into this. So, uh, But I, I like it. It's fun. It gives individuals an opportunity to kind of get to know you, your personality a little more. So um, again, yeah. we're both of you best friends already. So, um, so estate planning. Um, I guess the first thing that comes to mind, uh, you know, and just keep in mind we're just because we're saying estate planning, we're not talking about Richie Rich or, or Daddy Warbucks or anything like that. Um, but uh, it's like we said, everybody, you know, there's going to come a day when we all uh, meet our maker and uh, making sure that we have the proper things in place. So our wishes are carried out. Um, so we're talking about estate planning. So first of all, why do they call it estate why do they call it an estate? Do, do you have a Great good question? Is this something that they talk about in estate planning 101? This is why it's called. Okay. Cause I did well, my Google searches and you know, it, it is what it if is. If they did, I don't remember. <laughs> but <laughs> Yes. I'll, I'll go with Jessica on that one for sure. But I, I think you hear that, you know, that 
I, I say nobody listening to this podcast is average, but the average person hears estate planning and you think it's kind of the um, a super rich, wealthy person problem. Um, and that's, you know, not the case. I think when I think of estate, I think of um, just be, I think because having done this for as many years as I have now, I think of, okay, you're planning for what happens to your stuff and what happens to yourself, both during your lifetime and then upon death. So your estate is you and your stuff. Yeah. That's kind of how I think of it now. It's you. Yeah. You and your stuff <laughs> planning for what happens to all of that. And I, I think cool. the estate, the word comes from French, the, pardon me if I'm wrong on this, but um, it comes from like a French term, which means standing French, some European country. I'm sorry, um, <laughs> but uh, it means standing. You're standing. Um, okay. Well, that part of, that I think of it as like your net worth, um, yeah. so like the stuff that you have versus the stuff you owe other, I don't know. So it, it's just kind of. I think it goes back to um, just the olden days of yeah. yore, right? It's an old term. <laughs> yes. We can and, leave it at that. And, <laughs> and, and people, um, you know, people had an estate back then. But one thing that I've, I learned um, about the, uh, the Black Plague was even, even back then, one of the ways that they tracked how many uh, people died were through probate courts even back in the medieval times um and and trusts began you know sprang out of uh knights they would you know leave to go fight for their lords and somebody would have to be in charge of their property while they were gone so they would leave this property to somebody else in trust that when they came back they were going to give it back to them right so um i think it's it's just a word that you know Back in the day, <laughs> um, you know, everybody just thought of estate as what I own. Now we think of estate as like a, a house with, you know, 20 acres, you know, or something like that. Whereas an estate is really just like, like what Jessica said, it's just you and your stuff. And it doesn't yeah. matter if that stuff is worth $50 or $5 million. Yep. Sounds good. Um, so probate trust you mentioned all these kind of terms when you're talking about it so let's let's dive into some of the things that we need to know about um estate planning uh, a will i think is a will power of attorney durable power of attorney healthcare power of attorney um advanced medical directives a trust do you want to maybe start diving in those diving into those starting with maybe a will um, just kind of the basics of what the will does and some of the key elements of the will that we need to know about. Sure. I'll, Go ahead, I'll, Jamie. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in on that one. Um, so I always start my consultations. If my clients don't know if they want or need a will or a trust, I just kind of start by comparing and contrasting. Um, in the grand scheme of things, they do the same thing, like from a very high level. <laughs> you know, you 
appoint somebody to be in charge and you dictate what is going to happen with your stuff and and who is going to get your stuff and you do that with either a will or a trust the the way that you want to enact those and the needs and goals of your family dictates whether you need a will or trust um so the the biggest difference and particularly for this audience would be that you can't dictate guardianship in a trust you absolutely have to have a will you have to have a probate judge oversee the whole guardianship process so if somebody ever looks at you and you have minor children and they're an estate planning attorney and they say, okay, here's how we're going to avoid probate. They don't know what they're talking about because you cannot avoid probate if you have children under the age of 18. Cannot be done. Now, you can avoid probate for your assets, but again, just somebody's trying to sell you something that doesn't exist and they don't fully understand what they're talking about. So that is one of my biggest things is if you're under, if you have kids under the age of 18, the guardianship in your will is 100% the most important part of your estate plan, but you also probably want to trust because with the will and Jessica, I'm really sorry. Stop me if you <laughs> want to jump right. in here at any point. You're saying all the same things I would say. Okay. So you're <laughs> okay. So, you know, with a will, you say, "Okay, I want to leave leave this money to my kids and equal shares or what have you. And then they'll get it when they turn 21. So it's going to be held in maybe a conservatorship, depending on the size of the account or what have you. Um, then with a trust, you don't have to say, we're going to leave everything at 21. Right. You can say, I want to hold it in trust for my kids until they're 35, until they're 52, until they just for the rest of their life, they never have full access to this money unless the trustee thinks it's a good decision. So if you want to maybe, I, I don't want to say control the distributions. <laughs> it's more of help, no, somebody, help somebody make good decisions for them, which you, you 100% need somebody else to make those decisions for a minor child. That's when you need the trust. So, so if you're listening to this this podcast and you and you've got that young family um which is i think if i understood kyle and i feel like i do <laughs> that yeah. is the target audience for this for this podcast um you're going to need a will and a trust and they yeah. need to they need to talk to each other and work together yeah and i would i 100 everything you said agree um jamie i would say just to elaborate just a little bit maybe um when we say uh, those of you out there with minor children under the age of 18. And yes, a will is the only place where you can appoint a guardian to take care of those kids or child or children. If you and your either spouse or the other biological parent both pass away before that child or children turn 18, that's where that guardianship comes in. Um, and that's why it's so, so important. And every time I talk to somebody that has um, a minor child and they don't have anything in place, I'm like, would you please set an appointment with me and we can get this taken care of? Because otherwise, I'll tell you what happens if you don't do that. And if if the natural parents or parents die before the child or children are 18, then people have to go to court and appoint to become guardian and or conservator of those kids or child or children. And there could cause that could cause a lot of family hardship and turmoil. And the kids could be going back and forth to a bunch of places before they land with mm -hmm. the person that gets appointed to care for them. So it could be a really tough situation for the family members if that 
isn't taken care of. And then, and so that's one thing that we always want to avoid, especially, you know, again, if you have those younger kids and I agree with Jamie a thousand percent on the whole issue of, well, do we have a will only, or do we also have the trust? Um, I personally advise, I think 99% of the people I talk to, to go ahead and put a trust in place and just know for all of you out there listening, um, that if you're in your twenties or thirties or forties, you can change these documents anytime you want. So just because you put something in place now doesn't mean that five years from now, if you have more kids or if you no longer want the person that you appointed to be guardian in your will to be guardian of your kids, you can change that. These are not set in stone. So just know that too. Yeah. 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 You just have to uh, track down notaries and witnesses, <laughs> right? To, to change yes. them. So well, yeah, that is fun. important to note. If you if you signed a, a document that you thought was your will, because and I've seen this, I do almost fifty percent probate, fifty percent estate planning now. So I've seen this a lot where a family member comes in with a will that was just notarized, but there's no witnesses. That's not a valid will. No, nope. and you know they pulled it offline, and yeah, that that's how that happens, right? So just. In the back of your mind, if you signed a document and you thought it was a will, but there were not three other signatures on that document and not related to you, then it's it's yep. not valid. Yep. And that, that brings up an important point about a will being state-specific. Mm -hmm. um, each, so the, um, I don't know, uh, probate of your estate is specific to the state level? Is that or yes. yeah yeah where where the proper where you die and where your property is located so if you have yeah. if you die in Kansas and everything's in Kansas that's great but if you die in Kansas and you own a property in Missouri then you're going to have to probate in both states so yes. correct so getting to the point about being state specific the there's not just one generic coverall will out there that is that will apply for each for every state. You want to make sure that when you do it, that the verbiage is tailored to the state that, um, that you reside in. Yes. Yes. So if you move from Kansas or Missouri to one of the coasts or South or something, I tell my clients, cause I have a few that, um, well, anyway, if you move period, <laughs> you'll want to update your will to be, to be valid in the state where you're living at the time. Your other documents should be honored um, no matter where you live. But a will, yes, does need to be, I guess, needs to be governed by the law of the state where you live at the time of your death. Because otherwise you have a Florida judge interpreting a Kansas will with, with Kansas law, and they don't know Kansas law, and right. it's a gigantic mess, so... So state specific, um, you talked about uh, guardianship. What maybe talk about some other important elements of of the will? So we need state specific guardianship. You're going to need to have it notarized. A notary is not there to verify the document. All that's in it, they are just verifying that you are who you say you are. I was a notary for a few years and. Um, I will never again. <laughs> it was a job requirement, but I, I worked in uh, sixth in Minnesota for UMB 
And uh, as a, a personal banker, we had to be a public notary. And I had people come in with a notebook piece of paper written up with a, um, uh, I don't know, uh, attesting to guardianship mm. in the event that something happened to them while they were gone for the weekend. And they wanted me to notarize the piece of paper. I'm like... I can't do this. <laughs> I don't think this is going to hold up. So I'm not a, I, I don't have a legal opinion. I, I'm not a legal expert. But <laughs> yeah, it was, it was pretty strange. Some of the stuff that people wanted notarized there, but, um, but yeah. And then two witnesses as, uh, is, is that Kansas and Missouri? You both practice in Kansas and Missouri. Any other States? Yes. I'm, I'm not licensed in any yeah. other state. I think most States, have that same requirement for a valid, a validly executed will, but I really don't know because I'm not licensed in other cities, so I don't have to know that. But yeah, I think as, they all require witnesses. As far as what else is important in a will, I will say the person that you choose to be in charge of, called the executor, also called personal representative. Those terms mean the same thing. Most people, I think, are familiar with the term executor. So that's just the person who's in charge of distributing any of the assets that have to go through probate. Um, so that's an important decision. And then um, there's other decisions that you make, but those are things that I would talk about later with somebody as far as how you actually want everything to be distributed. That's another big decision. Um yeah. 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 That's just a conversation that I have with clients. And the testator and the testatrix. One is male, one is female. One is, yep. <laughs> so it is the person that is signing, signing the, will. the will. Yeah. The it's the will for the per it's the person's will. Yes. Yeah. So you would be a testator. Jamie and I will be a testatrix. Such a fun word. It is. It's a fun one to say. Yeah. Uh, and so it gives directions for the court, the personal rep. It gives instructions to the personal representative for, I think maybe how you would phrase this is disposing of your estate. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, it's basically a wish. It's like a, here, judge, this is what I want. And so the person who is in the will appointed to act in that role of executor presents the will to the judge of the probate court in the county where you die and says, this is what so this is what so-and-so wanted. And then the judge looks it over. And depending upon the specifics of that person's estate, um, Either everything goes according to that wish or sometimes in very rare circumstances, I think it doesn't. But that's the whole point of having a validly executed will is that um, if it's valid, then it's more likely than not to be honored. <laughs> what would cause it not to be honored? Uh, have you seen, I guess, uh, not being state specific, so they don't know how to interpret it to the 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 state um, law that it's in or I've never, I've never had a will rejected okay. um, that I've presented, but I have told people like, this is not, this is not a valid will um, because 
I had one where the testator did not sign it, but the witnesses did. So that was a new one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened there, <laughs> but that, that was not, it was clearly just an oversight. They were in a hurry. And, you know, so that if it's not signed by you, then it's going to be rejected. Now, and so it has to be signed by you and those two witnesses. The notary is a bonus, but not an actual requirement to be valid. There's different steps, and I won't go into that if you don't have the notary, but you absolutely have to have the two witnesses. Yes. Um, I have also seen um, where there were conflicting provisions in a will, so it wasn't really rejected, but we weren't 100% certain again. I'm really kind of knocking um, online wills here, but, um, you know, but again, somebody didn't, I don't, I, you know, didn't really understand what they were putting in place. And um, so, you know, when, when we closed that estate, we just presented it to the judge and the heirs. And I said, this is how we interpret the will. If you have a problem, you have to show up to the hearing and we have to have a will interpretation, you know, that sort of a thing. Um and I had one with a missing page. Oh, yeah, I've seen that before somebody, too. Somebody lost a, a page. Um, I don't know. Jessica, do you have anything else? The only, I, I like you, Jamie, I personally have never had one that, that's been rejected. Um, I can think of scenarios though, like from stories I've heard about. Um, there's one where, um, yes, the person basically um, just wrote a letter saying this is, these are my wishes, et cetera, et cetera. And the testator signed it, but there were no witnesses. So mm -hmm. there, there was an old, older will that was a valid will. And so that one was the one that was used and it wasn't the person's most recent wishes. Mm -hmm. So I've seen, I've heard about that happening. And, um, the only other thing I can think of is if somebody contests the will and actually yeah. wins, wins that contest, which is basically if somebody um, comes forth to the court and says, oh no, that person was unduly influenced or had some mental incapacity, um, didn't know, didn't know what he or she was signing. And if that can be proven somehow, then, then that's possible for a will to not be upheld in court. But otherwise, an attorney, a, a good attorney, um, we'll make sure that if a client is in front of them about to sign a will, they're not going to let that person sign a will if they are, think for a second that that person doesn't have the capacity to do so. So, right. Okay. Um, we'll circle back to the will um, on a few things, but uh, real quick, one, mm -hmm. uh, one, one thing I found interesting. So a few years back, I started reading this, the complete guy, the, complete book i'm reading backwards here the complete book of wills estates and trusts um pretty interesting i didn't make it all the way through it because then i had kids um and so i need to find it on audiobook but um they open that book the author opens the book saying how the um the nobel peace prize was created by way of will interesting it, it is interesting one. so yeah i didn't know um, that yeah so I don't know. Um, so let, let's, like I said, we'll circle back to that. I have a few questions on the will, but let's talk about durable power of attorney or just power of attorney in general and um, um, how you want to tackle that. Tell us what that means and what we need to know about that. 
Um, I would say for a general durable power of attorney, and Jamie, jump in anytime. Um, this is the document that's important for every person that's age 18 or over, because if you need somebody to handle your financial matters for you, for whatever the reason, the person or people that you appoint in this document can do that for you. So if you're out of the country and you don't have access to be able to do online bill pay, your person that you appoint in your power of attorney can do that for you if you need them to. Um, I would say what I tell my clients is the person or the people that you appoint to act as your agent in this document, you have to completely 1000% trust them because they are going to have a very broad range of power over all of your financial matters, including your online banking, your your real estate, all kinds of things. And they, um, you need to trust that they are not going to exploit that situation and do things fraudulently, I guess. So really in a nutshell, this is the document where you appoint somebody to pay your bills for you if you can't do it. So I guess a couple questions there. So if I'm married, I get being single and needing to appoint somebody is my power of attorney. And I think we would say durable power of attorney. And maybe Mm -hmm. you can dive into what durable means versus, um, I guess, general power of attorney uh, or and yeah, then, um, I'll touch on that. Okay. And then, um, then springing powers, maybe get into the durable and then springing powers. But if I'm, if I'm single, I get that I need a power of attorney in case something happens to me and I can't make decisions for myself. Um, I'm incapacitated. Um, but if I'm married, why do I need a durable power of attorney? Why do I need, I need a power of attorney? My wife is, you know, going to handle Kyle, everything those- if something happens to me. Great questions. Those are all great questions. Okay. Um, and, and the durable general power of attorney, I get asked all the time, what do those two, what does durable mean? What does general mean? And why can't we just call it financial power of attorney? Because that is what it is. Um, so durable means that it is valid even after your incapacitation, which is the entire reason you're putting the document in place. So you definitely want a durable power of attorney. Uh, It can be non-durable all we want if you don't really need it while you have capacity. But the durable means after I'm incapacitated, this document is still valid even at that point. Why we have to specify that? Because again, that's the entire point of the document. I can't answer that question, but I can tell you what durable means. Um, General means that we are granting somebody a general power of of appointment over, over our assets. Compare that to a limited power of attorney where you say, for example, um, I have to do limited power of attorneys for my uh, uh, military clients. Um, One of them is deployed. They're buying a house. So, you know, the spouse needs to sign, which actually feeds into your third question. Why would a married person need a durable general power of attorney? Um, You would need it less than a single person, certainly, because your assets are the same for the most part. However, think of all of the different assets that you own in your own name. For example, a retirement account can only be owned by one person. So you have no access to do anything 
on behalf of your wife's retirement account, even if she would have wanted you to be able to get in there and pull that money out without a durable general power of attorney. Um, and then additionally, two actual circumstances that have come up quite frequently in my business and um, in, in my firm in the last 10 years. Um, some One of the spouses is incapacitated and it's tax time. You cannot sign a tax return on behalf of an incapacitated spouse, um, it, short of a financial power of attorney. Um, so you would have to open up a conservatorship and a guardianship in order to do that, which is not even the subject of this podcast. So I'm not going to go down that road. No. You don't Brittany want Spears. to go down that road. You don't um, want to have to go down that road for yeah. sure. And yeah. so even something as simple as signing taxes. And do you really think the IRS has any empathy because your, your wife is incapacitated on a hospital bed on April 15th? No, nope. they do not. You will still be, be hit with penalties and fees, even though you legally cannot file those taxes. And then the other, the other big one is selling the house. So for example, if, if somebody um, has dementia, if somebody has some sort of accident and they are in a wheelchair to the point where the house that you're living in is no longer going to be suitable for your life moving forward, um, if it's just a physical injury, no big deal. But if it's a physical and a mental injury or, you know, a mental in impairment of any sort, again, you can't, you both own the house. It's not an and or like your car. You have to both sign that document yes. to sell your house. So you would need a durable general power of attorney um, in that situation as well. So it's, it's less impactful, certainly for a married couple um, than for a single individual, because, you know, your bank account, you both have access to that, yeah. assuming you have a assuming joint, it's a joint account. account. Yeah. <laughs> any, any joint account, you guys have full access to that. Um, even if one of, you know, even if I have a lot of clients and Jessica, you probably do too, where they think of, you know, this account is mine and this account is his, and it's just kind of blow money, but they're both still listed on the account, you know, for that for that exact purpose so that they can both access it and do yes. it. So for joint assets short of real property, um, it's not as as big of a deal, um, but you still absolutely need a power of attorney um, as a married couple. Yep, Yeah. agreed. And, you know, I think we kind of talk about this with life insurance or disability insurance. It's like you never can really predict when those things are going to happen. So having right. these in place, when the time comes that that does happen, you're good to go. Whereas, you know, you you can't trying to put a durable power of attorney in place after somebody's incapacitated is not going to work. Right? You can't do it. That's why, that's why we call it planning. It's yeah. like planning for the ifs, the what ifs. Um, I feel like um, you touched on a lot of things, Jamie, that are, that we'll talk about again when we talk about the healthcare power of attorney. Um, but I wanted to, you had asked Kyle about the springing powers. Um, I don't draft a lot of these, to be honest. Um, a springing general or a springing power of attorney for financial matters is, is where, where the document says, this document is only to be used if I am officially incapacitated, meaning um, however many physicians, one or two, sign off on something certifying 
that Jessica is incapacitated and now this the powers spring forth um, to the person appointed in my power of attorney to act on my behalf. So I don't draft a lot of those because I feel like the burden is pretty high hmm. and the threshold is pretty high for physicians to take that autonomy away from people. So I get nervous about dra drafting too many of those. Some clients are very adamant that they don't want anybody having any access or authority um, or authority over their finances until or unless they are deemed incapacitated. Again, I think the burden, I think the threshold is high. And so I just tell people don't share copies of your general durable power of attorney with people. Just let somebody know where the copies are in your house. And if they need to use it, they can. But just, that's my advice yeah, to people. Just, just to kind of piggyback on that, um, there's a there's a gray area between yeah. full capacity. The three of us talking right now are fully, you know, have full capacity and we're able to handle whatever comes our way. I don't and know. Then there's I'm on, I'm on like cup yeah, two, we've had our so we're still working there. Right? Or, or in my case, our Coke Zero. Um, but uh, then there's incapacitated where two doctors have said this person absolutely has no idea what's going on. Right. Well, there's that gray area where early dementia, early Alzheimer's, where you are not incapacitated, but you also absolutely are making poor financial decisions. And... I don't know, Jessica, I, I've dealt with, I think all of us have probably dealt with a lot of elderly, early dementia, people who are, who are getting their plans in place, but they also, I, I don't know if this is an official part of it or just comes along with it. There's a lot of paranoia with yeah. people in the early stages of dementia. And, yes, um, and so and a lot of I, spitefulness is not the word I'm trying to come up with, but like stubbornness, um, where they, stubborn. they don't, yeah, they stubborn. don't want to acknowledge that they need this help while they're sending all of their money off to, you know, the the Nigerian prince or buying all of those <laughs> Target and Best Buy gift cards. You know, they're the so, ones. That, yeah, they've fallen victim to these scams and scammers that are out there, yeah. and um, so really, it's just. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a delicate balance. It sure is to decide which which way is best for my younger clients. And Jessica, I think I finally found a way in which we're not the same person. <laughs> but so for my younger clients, if you're married, I usually have it available immediately to your spouse. But yeah. then everybody after that is a springing power. So if your spouse is serving as your power of attorney, they do not have to worry about incapacity. But if anybody else is doing it, then... That's then interesting. I haven't done that before, but yeah. I like that. Um, I like that yeah, idea. It's, it's a good... Because like I, as I kind of touched on earlier, there's it's still crucially important, but it's you've already got somebody who's handling most or able to handle most of your your issues if you're married anyways, able to access your assets at least. Um, and so there's less less risk, uh, you know, of appointing that person immediately. Um, but now if it's an older client um, and they, they're appointing their children, then I, I definitely have that conversation. And I do lean more towards what Jessica is saying, where I strongly suggest 
because of these very reasons. And yes, and, and you know, if they take that money and they run to Mexico, that that money is gone. But they do have that fiduciary duty, and if they are tracked down in Mexico, then they will go to jail. It's they still even though they have access, it is only for your benefit. So again, going back to what Jessica said, you have to appoint people that you fully trust um, yeah. when you begin this. Moving forward here. So, um, but yeah, Jamie, I, I like that idea of putting the spouse as kind of an immediate power of attorney. Um, and pardon my, if I'm incorrect on the exact terminology here, but, um, and then uh, contingent, I guess power of attorneys is having springing powers to them. That, that's a cool concept. I like that and too. I don't know how I'd be right. able to do that on my own though. Uh, <laughs> so, well, I on. would suggest you not try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that here in a second. Um, one thing on power of attorney is, is it still in place after I die? No. Boom. Okay. Enough said. Yeah. It, it, the, those powers cease upon death. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. Factually correct. All right. Um, fact check true. Uh, so um, healthcare power of attorney. So durable power of attorney is basically your business affairs, I think is how it's usually described. But healthcare power of attorney, I mean, maybe not a whole lot to say there, I think, but just who do you want to appoint to make your healthcare decisions in the event that you're incapacitated and are not able to make those yourself? Is that? That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the really the important and this is really quick the important part of the the healthcare power of attorney is is understanding that it's a different skill set to to make medical decisions for you than to make financial decisions for you so just because you have one person in charge of you know your will and your trust and your financial power of attorney they may not be the best person for your healthcare power of attorney so right. so the the concept of a healthcare power of attorney is straightforward and pretty easy um, where Jessica and I come in is just kind of talking you through examples of what you want in those type of people in the in the healthcare power of attorney, um, and you figuring out who you know because we don't know who you know, <laughs> you know. So you're the one who has to who has to. We just talk you through that process. Yes, and I think I always tell my clients um, to also talk through um, what you would want in certain situations, so that the people or person that you have appointed to make those decisions for you, if they're ever called to duty, so to speak, to do that, they can kind of replay that conversation in their head and feel comfortable with making the decision on your behalf. Yeah. Have you ever had someone try to appoint their doctor as their healthcare power of attorney? Only if their doctor's like their child okay. or, their, yeah. or like yeah. a family member. Um, and then that brings up a good point. You also, in that case, don't want that doctor being one of the two doctors deciding if you're incapacitated because that's a conflict of interest. So you need to make exactly. sure that you have provisions in your document. But yeah, not like just Dr. You know, Dr. Jones is my medical doctor, so I'm going to appoint him. I don't think a non-familial relationship or best friend doctor is even going to accept that appointment. I don't know what you think, Jessica. Right. I, I tend to agree. Um, I, I just say, you know, the people that know you best and the people that you think can emotionally handle yes. making these decisions for you if they need to, um, those are the people that you want. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. 
And advanced medic advanced healthcare directives. Yeah. Advanced medical directives. Like a living will. Is that what living will, yeah. Mm-hmm. So those terms are the same thing. An advanced healthcare directive and the living will means the same thing. What I how I describe this document is actually as the pull the plug document because yep. I feel like people <laughs> understand what that means. Yeah. And so basically by signing one of these documents, you are saying to healthcare providers and to your family members and people who care about you, I am making this decision now so that you don't have to. Exactly. So this document is only used if you are in an end of life situation. So if the end is near, so to speak, you're basically in a persistent vegetative state or have some other terminal condition and you can no longer communicate your wishes by signing this document, you're saying, let, let me go. Yeah. Let me let let me die nat- of natural causes. Don't try to artificially prolong my life. And yeah. this, w- would you say this kind of works with the healthcare power of attorney? So um, it gives them guidance on what you would want done at the end of life situation. However, do they have the um, authority to supersede that? You can give them the authority um, to override the living will, in which case I don't understand why you would put one in place. Um, so, but exactly. so in mind, no, no, the living will overrides the healthcare power of attorney. And so yeah. the way that I explain it is um, think of it on a spec- spectrum of, again, the three of us have full capacity right now. We have these documents in place. None of them are, are really working because we don't need anybody to make decisions on our half. All the way to the other end of the spectrum where it's end of life and we are, um, two doctors have said we're prolonging the inevitable and you you can no long, you no longer have capacity. You can't speak to what's going on. You can't understand what's going on. Um, the healthcare power of attorney is in between those, right? So you get in a car accident and you're going to be fine, but somebody, but you can't make those decisions right now. We don't need the living will because it's not the end of life, but you also can't make that decision. That's where the healthcare power of attorney comes into play. So your healthcare power of attorney is not deciding whether to pull the plug or not unless you don't have a living will in place. And I'm using all of these hand gestures and I'm sure that's going to be really helpful <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> I hope I hope you all understood my spectrum. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so so the living will technically overrides the healthcare power of attorney, but they also do work together because for example, um, my living will says the healthcare power of attorney can go ahead and sign or whatever, as long as it's in compliance with this living will, if you just need somebody else. But now if the healthcare power of attorney refuses to sign that document, then they can't override the health. It's just, or excuse me, they can't override the living will. It's just a way of making it a little easier from an administrative standpoint. So the two documents, again, basically all of your documents need to talk to each other and make sense. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think yeah. I've <laughs> a, a good case on this would be, was it Terry Shivo? Yes. Yeah. That was also yeah. happening while I was in law school. And that looking back, nobody talked about it before Terry no. Shivo. Nobody. No, it's, and, then, and then Missouri, um, my Missouri living will has actually cites the Nancy Cruzan case because that one came out of Missouri. So yeah, those are both just perfect examples of why this document is so important. So, yeah. 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 Okay. 
Um, and then we, we kind of touched on it real quick uh, earlier when we we're talking about wills, but a trust. Um, and I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking about this more. So how our wills are create are written up is that a trust will form, um, okay. on my death. That's okay. A, that's a testamentary that's trust. Testamentary trust. Mm-hmm. We have mirroring wills. Um, yes. And so a trust will be formed um, once basically the last. Once bo- the second of you dies. dies. Yeah. yeah. Both yeah. of us die or the last one standing dies. Um, I don't, I don't and, know about, I'm sorry, go ahead, Kyle. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. And so I, I so, um, so maybe talk about how the trust plays into this whether you have it that way or doing a trust on the side, because I guess one of the questions is, well, how do you know what's going to go into that trust if it forms when you die? So, um, and I don't know if you need to get into revocable, irrevocable. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of testamentary trusts. Jessica, are you not, not to poo poo your estate plan? Kyle, I'm sure it's great. Um, and because and I have set them up uh, when somebody just isn't really ready for that trust. Because some people just hear the word trust and just can't get over the idea of how how con- complex it is, which it's it's really not. But it's you know, really some people, you know, they just say, "Look, I want to have a trust in place if my kids die, but I don't want to have to deal with it right now." Um, so revocable just means you can do whatever you want to. You can revoke it. You can amend it. Irrevocable means you cannot. 90% and I don't, I'm making that percentage up of the trusts out there are the typical trusts that you hear about are revocable. If it's yeah. ultra high, high net worth people after your death, that's when we're talking about irrevocable trust. So that doesn't really come into play with what you've got. Um, but so what happens with, with what you have, and, and Jessica, I'll let you talk about with a typical revocable trust, but with a testamentary trust, everything is funneled through probate, assuming mm-hmm. that you don't have your kids listed as beneficiary designations on your life insurance or your retirement account, because then we, we still don't even get to probate. It's just yeah. going to them, and then we have to open up a conservatorship to put this money in there. So you actually have to remove every beneficiary designation but your wife so that if you survive her, there is no beneficiary designation and then it goes to your estate. And then whatever's in your estate it, through probate is then put into that testamentary trust. And then it works the same same way that a revocable trust does. We just say, okay, here's the money. How am I supposed to spend it? When do I give it to the kids? Who does it go to? That sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, that's exactly right. And I'm the same as you, Jamie. I don't set up a ton of testamentary trusts. Um, I do more of the revocable living trust, which all that means for those of you out there that this is kind of a weird, it's a weird concept, right? To have a trust and it's a document, it's long, it says a lot of things, (laughs) but basically a a, a revocable living trust as either a single person or a married couple, typically the married couple, you guys are what's called the grantors or the settlers of the trust. You're the people creating it. You're also going to be the initial trustees of the trust. And all that really means is you're in charge of putting stuff in it. 
um, retitling assets in the name of the trust. You can take assets out of the trust. You can change what the trust, as settlers, you can change what the trust says or amend it. Um, as trustees, you're in charge of managing the assets that go into the trust. So for me, when I'm creating a trust for people, we talk about, okay, who do you want to put in charge? Kind of like with the will, you have somebody in charge as executor upon your death, but a will cannot account for what happens in the event of your incapacity during your lifetime for assets that are already in your trust. Then you need somebody to take charge of those. So that's when your successor trustee is coming into play. Oftentimes it's the same person or people that the client puts as executor of their estate in their will. Um, also with a trust, um, like we kind of alluded to earlier, you can say, okay, we want everything to just go equally to our kids and we want them to receive their share at age 25, 30, whatever. Um, but I also tell people, hey, especially when you have young kids, you don't know what kind of decision makers they're going to be when they get, when they grow up. Little Tommy could, oh, you have a Tommy. So let's say little, uh, little uh, Sammy. Thomas, Thomas, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Little, little Johnny, let's say, could grow up and have a really solid head on his shoulders and make very sound decisions. And little Sally might just be kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of kiddo. And maybe when she grows up, she doesn't make great decisions. And so maybe you need to protect her more in your trust. There are no rules when you create a trust. Yep. It doesn't have to go equally to your kids in the same way for each kid. It can be catered and individualized in, as the creator of the trust. You can say whatever you want. And um, so we that's a big, longer long conversation that I have with people. Um, but a trust is there really, in my opinion, and Jamie, I, I'm sure we all kind of describe it in a similar way, but maybe use a different metaphor. <laughs> um, I kind of think of a trust as a big bucket or um, a car. And let's say the car doesn't have anything in it when you first create it, but you're going to put some gas in it, meaning you're going to title like real estate in the name of your trust. So then the car has gas in it the car equals the trust. Now it has stuff in it um, or a bucket. And we're putting stuff in the bucket during your lifetime. But for a lot of assets, we're also naming the trust as the beneficiary. So that for life insurance, for example, upon the death of the first spouse, you can keep your spouse on if you want as the primary beneficiary. But then let's put the trust on there as the contingent because one spouse is likely to die before the other one. And so we want to have the trust there to catch the death benefit of the second spouse to die. And I'm getting a little in the weeds here, but basically a trust is a funny longer name of how to title assets. And then, yeah. and then eventually your successor trustee, whoever that is, is going to read the trust and say, okay, this is how... They wanted everything to be distributed. How and when and to whom? And, and you don't you don't actually put your list your assets in your trust and nope. say, unless there's like specific things, of course, that you want to go to specific people. But you don't say my retirement account is divided no. this way. My life insurance is divided this way. You tell your assets at the asset level. 
this is where you are going. And then once it gets in the trust, it doesn't matter. It's all, you know, again, unless there's specific specific uh, distributions, um, it's it's all going to whomever you said it was supposed to go to in the manner in which you said it was supposed to go to them. Um, so you don't, you set up a trust and if, if you don't want to change who's in charge and how it's distributed, but you change assets 112 different times, you don't actually mm-hmm. need to update your trust. No. You update that asset. You create an, an account. You make sure that it transfers to the trust at your death. You buy a new house. You make sure that that house is in the trust. That it's, it's mm-hmm. all done at the asset level, which is, again, why Jessica and my job is so hard because people <laughs> think, just like Michael, I mentioned earlier, Michael Jackson set up a trust but didn't, didn't put a dang thing in it. So what, what did he actually say, <laughs> right? Uh, where he's, there's probably still in probate. I don't know. I don't oh, know probably. Works, but, um, I can't honestly remember how long ago he died. But regardless. It's, a, it's been 10 years. Has it been? Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I think he died in like 2009. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, Well, I feel old now. I did not know. Well, Um, the Malaysia flight, you know, the Malaysia. Oh, yeah. uh, yeah. That's been almost, it has been or almost 10 years. And I'm just like, what? That's crazy. I I remember watching that in my living room. Like, yeah. Uh, Yeah. Um, the thing, one of the other things I like to say about a trust is, um, we have, or about estate planning in general, um, you know, we all have homeowners insurance. If you have a home, we, a lot of us have life insurance, you have car insurance. We have all these different types of insurance on different things. And estate plan really is like insurance over all of that stuff. It's insurance over your, um, it, it, think of an um, umbrella policy and a state plan is essentially an umbrella, an umbrella policy for all of the things that make up your life, your assets, um, you're taking care of your kids in there and other loved ones that you want to provide for, um, pets, if you want to provide for pets, um, it really is one of those things that is easy to not do, but it's also really easy to sit down and have done. And so I just encourage people like for those of you listening to this today, I mean, this is going to sound cheesy, but bravo, because you're probably yeah. ahead of the game. Yeah. You're ahead of the game just by listening to this and get getting informed a little bit. Um, most people, I mean, I have lots of people and you probably do too, Jamie, that they come to and they're like, oh my gosh, I meant to do this years ago. It's like, doesn't matter. You're here now. Let's get it done. But just having the conversation and putting something in place is better than having nothing. And so, um, I just encourage people to at least sit down and have a conversation with an estate planning attorney and, um, start just talking through some of these decisions and, um, just know that you can make changes to them later if you if you change your mind on stuff. And as your life changes, your estate plan can change. It's fluid. I liked your yep. to kind of piggyback off your car analogy there. So the trust, it's it's like a vehicle, right? And mm-hmm. your stuff goes inside the vehicle. Um, mm-hmm. and then your trustee is like the driver to get the stuff where it needs to be. Yeah. Um, sometimes you're that driver. Sometimes it's, uh, 
it's the person sitting in the passenger seat that takes over for you. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Maybe that's a good way to kind of think about it, but okay. No, I like, I, I was, that's exactly right. Um, I'm a big proponent of trust. I'm sure you are too, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I just tell people, even for the, those of you out there who are younger and just kind of getting your careers underway and starting your family, um, I would say you may not feel like you need one yet. And that's okay. Some of my clients choose not to put one in place right away. But I can almost promise you down the line, you're going to want to do it <laughs> at some point. Um, and it, it really is. It can make a big difference. I've talked to a lot of people who have had loved ones pass away that did not have um, an estate plan in place or maybe maybe had a will, but everything got cut up in probate for a long time. And then for those people that had a trust and the trust was funded, they said, oh, thank goodness, grandma or grandpa or mom or dad had that in place because it made things so easy for our family. We knew exactly what they wanted and it all got done mm-hmm. quickly. Um, there's not a ton of waiting when there's a trust in place. Whereas with probate, it's just not pleasant mm-hmm. in my opinion. It's, it's loving your family. So they yeah. don't have to, you know, jump through hoops, make these decisions for you. It's, it's laying out instructions you of you, what needs to happen. Um, it's kind of a gift to yeah, the family. You don't, you don't create an estate plan for yourself. You create it for yeah. everybody else around you. You help yourself you know, by creating the estate plan, but, but truly you don't, you don't see the benefits, which I think is another reason why it's expensive. It's a difficult conversation. Mm-hmm. It's something people think I don't have enough money. I don't need to worry about this. I'm young. Nothing's going to happen. There's so many obstacles, you know, that, that come in the way. And then again, the fact that like you leave and I have almost every client say, I have, I feel like this weight has been lifted that I didn't mm-hmm. really know yeah. was was burdening me. But until yeah. you get to that point, it's it's really hard to see why an otherwise healthy, young, moderately wealthy, but not ultra wealthy individual would need an estate plan. And again, it's 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 for your loved ones. It's it is. It's kind of a love letter to them. Yes. Yeah. When you're sitting down though and putting this together. Um, I, I feel like it's our job, Jamie, with our clients and I don't, I don't know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, (laughs) um, I always feel like, you know, it's my job to help inform you, but then it's also my job to make sure that you feel informed enough to make the decisions you need to make and then feel really, really comfortable with those decisions. Because I think, especially with COVID that has, um, taken a lot of people, people's lives earlier than anybody would have anticipated. Um, I think people are more, I think, hyper aware of maybe needing those healthcare powers of attorney and also needing to have something in place in case something happens. An estate plan really is there for both the foreseen and unavoidable thing that is going to happen to all of us which is death, but also it's there for a lot of unforeseen circumstances for us during our lifetimes. And then there are things that you can build into your estate plan for if something happens to my child 
and they're supposed to get this distribution, then X, Y, Z. So like I, when I compared it to an insurance policy, there's a lot of really great things that we can talk through with clients to help make sure that we're planning for both the foreseen and the unforeseen. Mm-hmm. And um, once it's done, it's done. And, you know, I just want people to feel really good about the plan that they have in place. Again, just I emphasize this all the time, just knowing that if life, you know, life happens to all of us and Uh things happen, unforeseen things happen to people every day. And so if those unforeseen things do happen, you can change your estate plan to be more in alignment with your needs and if you have different goals. So, um, yeah, I think... Uh, I think. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, I just, I just love any chance I get to do things like this. Kind of circling back to where we started. Um, I just like the chance to to get to inform people and really help people walk through these decisions. Um, and then it's kind of like those old, like a board game that you don't play for a while. You get your estate plan done and you put the game away. And then yeah. a few years, you can get the game back out and see if you need to move any of the pieces around. And if not, great. You fold it back up, put it in the box, put it away again until you need to take it back out and maybe make some changes. So, um, yeah, that's I, I just like helping people get it yeah. all together and then not have to worry about it for a while. It's like the movie Bodyguard when uh, they go to his dad's cabin in the woods and pull out the chess set that they've been, the game that they've been playing like t- for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, dust it off. Um, no, it, it's interesting. You talk about insurance and kind of we get this on kind of for financial advisors with retirement, but you all kind of take the kind of the last priority because I think the way people mm-hmm. view it is, you know, my homeowner's insurance, auto insurance, that's something I need now. You know, I need that yeah. in place mm-hmm. now with advisors and thinking about retirement. It's like, you know, that's a little further down the line. I you know, I'll get to it. Mm-hmm. I know I need to do it. We'll get to it. We'll, you know, start doing, you know, our 401k at work, whatever. But then when you get to estate planning and putting together your will and everything, it's like, that's the end of the road. And so, you know, being younger, you think that's like way down in the future. You don't anticipate, you know, things happening. Um, and so it kind of takes a backseat to all these other um, more immediate priorities. Um, but to kind of to your point is, you know, get it done and then it's in place. You're covered. You don't have to do much unless you want to go and update it in the future and as right. things change. And so getting something in place and, and uh, making that a priority. Um, yeah. So uh, Jessica, do you want to, yeah. Tell us um, before you head out, you know, where um, if anybody's interested in connecting with you or uh, reaching out to you to um, do a consultation, I guess, tell us uh, how they'd get a hold of you, what that looks like. Well, first, thank you so much for letting me join you on this podcast today and inviting me to be a part of it. I love doing stuff like this. And so I appreciate the opportunity to just talk about what I do. And Jamie, awesome meeting you too. I love yeah. it. We have so much in common. That was really, really fun. I've had a lot yeah. of fun. I wish I didn't, I wish I didn't have to go, but no worries. Um, I do. So yes, um, I, 
all initial consultations are complimentary and um, you can reach out to me. My, my office phone number is 913-647-5350. I'm licensed in Missouri and Kansas. My office is in Overland Park at 135th and Lamar. And my email address is jessica at kimbrellestateplanning.com. And my website is just www.kimbrellestateplanning.com. And Kimbrell is K-I, M as in Mary, B as in boy, R-E-L-L. Talking really quickly. Um, but I I just welcome any opportunity to have a conversation with any of you out there listening. And even if you just have questions, happy to answer questions. I'm happy to be a resource. So, um. Yeah, I am on LinkedIn also, just Jessica Kimbrell, and uh, reach out to me any way you'd like if you have questions. Sounds good. Well, thanks for for hopping on the show. Yeah, thank you. Um, This was fun, guys. All right. It was nice to meet you. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. Take care. All right. So um, I guess one thing I was going to ask about is – Ages for kids when you distribute uh, funds, stuff to them, what are good ages for that? Well, the best age is when they are financially responsible. (laughs) We do not know when that age will be, though. Um, So the kind of default in estate planning, um, and this is is actually how I have my trust set up for my kids, um, is one-third at 25, 30, or... um, one half of the remaining at 30 and then the full distribution at 35. Um, I, my kids are, are, they were a lot younger when I created our trust. Um, but still even at 11 and 13, my 13 year old is, you know, a 40 year old trapped inside a 13 year old's body. She is, I could probably hand her her inheritance right now and she'd have have it doubled by the time she was 20. Uh, my almost 11 year old, he'll be actually 11 on Saturday. Um, he would spend, he does spend every penny that comes in on, um, on Robux and any Robux. other sort ro, their uh, money that you can spend in, in Roblox, the video game. So okay. just, yeah, he would just immediately spend every, every penny and on candy or, or Robux, or just any anything out there. He he is an immediate gratification kind of kid. So you know, if I had to guess right now, kind of, Jessica was alluding earlier to where you don't have to leave everything the same. I could probably leave, keep the distribution in place for my daughter. But if I had to guess right now, I'd I'd probably want to just say my son can only have money when the trustee determines it's in his best interest and or he needs it. So, for example, college, a car, a house, pay for a wedding, even even, you know, like a big family trip to Disney World, as long as he's otherwise working in a, in a productive human being, I would, I would want them to be able to enjoy the money in that, that regard. I don't want them to only get the money. Um, if, if, you know, something, if some sort of debt has been incurred. Um, but, but again, you, you kind of have to look at your kids. Now, what I, what I do is if, if you come to me with young children and again, we don't know because who, who knows what's going to happen to their personalities between now and, and 10 years down the road and 20 years down the road. Um, so most people end up just defaulting to 25, 30, 35. 
Yeah. Because they don't really know what else to do. And and that works out. And I like, I don't want to just distribute the whole amount at 35. I want to give them a couple bites at the apple, so to speak, a couple chances to screw up. Uh, yeah. You know, if they, if they screw up with that distribution at 25, then, and they've got, they've spent it all in a month and they've got four years and 11 months to figure out what they're not going to do when they turn 30 and then when they turn 35. Um, And, you know, again, the money is always available for their benefit if the trustee determines it's in their best interest. So it's not like they're only getting the money at 25, 30, 35. It's that's when they can demand the money is distributed to them. Um, But, you know, what I would suggest and what I'm sure we will do in another couple of years, uh, my husband and I will sit down and we'll say, yeah, I think let's keep this this plan in place for, for our daughter let's change some things for our son. And then in another five years, and you know, so like Jessica said, once you have it in place, it's in place. It's just a matter of tweaking it tweaking, every, yeah. every five to 10 years. And when you've got young children, it's going to need to be tweaked. Like life, life is oh, going to yeah. change. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I would suggest getting something like that 25, 30, 35 in place, and then just thinking about it every five or 10 years and determining how your kids have changed. Yeah. I, I just took my kids. So I've got a five and a four year, or excuse me. I've got a six and a four year old. They just had birthdays last month. Um, I just took them to a birthday party at an arcade and the, I, the way they spent those cards with the money on them, mm. <laughs> I'm not giving them anything at, you know, 18 or 21, man, but it's, but they're six and four. So where right. are they going to be, you know, five years from now? So yeah, definitely reevaluating the situation. Do you, do you recommend doing like a reading of the will? So everybody is never done a reading of the will. No. Okay. Um, not, I mean, I've had some clients call me and, and I mean, I'll just be honest with them. I'll the, anybody who is, who is an heir to an estate or named in the will has a, a, a statutorial statutorily guaranteed. I, that's the word I was trying to come up with, right to a copy of the will. Um, but you don't really need to pay an attorney to have everybody sit in the same room and and read the words. I think, again, that harkens back to the days where not everybody could read, which was really, in the grand scheme of things, not that long ago. Um, but certainly back in the 15, 1600s, there was a very small percentage of the population who could actually read. So I, I think the reading of the will, um, and I would be interested to know Jessica's perspective or, or any other um, probate attorneys for that matter, but but the ones that, that I am uh, friends with that we talk to, none of us sit down and do a formal reading of the will unless it's officially requested by the family. Yeah. And I, I guess where I was coming from was more of like a family meeting, um, just so everybody's on the same page. Here's what mom and dad's intentions are, just so you know. And little Johnny, if you're going to be a ding dong and screw up, we're going to change this. Um, I, don't, I don't know. So that would have to come before the reading of the will, because because once that's, is, is, once uh, they have died. So I guess l- less formal reading of the will, more so just kind of family meeting of Hey, here's our will. Yeah. Here's what it says. And here's what our intentions are, just so everybody's on the same page, understands what our intentions, our desires are, um, where you fit into the equation. Um, keep in mind things can change. Um, if, yeah. 
I, I think I think a family meeting, you know, with mom and dad sitting everybody down and saying this is what we've put in place is 100% the best way to go. There are various reasons uh, why some of my clients, that would be an absolute last resort. They, they have put things in place that would upset uh, some children and they've done so with the best of intentions. But again, mm-hmm. um, you know, being equal, equal and being fair are, are two very different things. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes they don't want anybody to know until the end, but I think being, being transparent whenever possible and just saying, here's why I made this decision that, you know, you're a doctor, your sister's a teacher, you're going to have more income potential than your sister. Both are very valiant professions, but we're going to leave her a little, little more money than you because that's what we deem is fair. It's not equal, but that's what we deem is fair, right? That sort of (laughs) thing. So, yeah. And I'm thinking from the standpoint to alleviate any conflicts down the road when comes the time that you do the reading of the will and somebody's trying to contest the will because they didn't know what was in there and they're pissed off Mm -hmm. with what's, sorry, um, I'm a little free flown with my, my words, but, um, they're, they're upset with what's in the will that they weren't, um, aware of and, uh, and want to contest the will. And so, Hey, you know, here's what it says. You can change this. If you change yourself, um, you know, we're not going to fund your drug addiction or something like this. And if you're going to continue to make these poor choices, you're not going to be left with anything. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, uh, I know we're, we're going kind of long on this. Um, so I wanted to dive in real quick into just what you feel is the most important estate planning need um for for some different categories so like young parents um uh young parents so married have kids what mm-hmm. what's the most important document you think is appropriate or they all kind of share similar importance well for young parents the the will with establishing guardianship is absolutely yeah. the most important document they are, they're all important but mm-hmm. um in in order of priority the will far outweighs everything else just because okay. again you want to dictate guardianship not not a judge who doesn't know your family dynamic what about young singles um so if you if you don't have any children um the estate planning is still important. And honestly, those, the financial power and the healthcare power of attorney would be the most important documents in that situation. You are quite literally living with the decisions that those people would make if, if they ever need to step up and make those decisions. Um, but if you live out on your own and you don't have anybody else on your accounts, we're, and something happens to you where you're still alive but incapacitated, we're going to have to go to court, open a conservatorship, open a guardianship so anybody has that that ability. And that can take a long time. It's very expensive. And it's just compounding the trauma of the fact that whatever has happened has happened, right? You know, you're, you're incapacitated. So for young singles, I would say the power of attorneys uh, would be more important than the will or the trust. Yeah. What about single parents? So, uh, divorced, um, yeah. which I guess maybe view this as uh, different than cohabitating parents. So they're mm-hmm. together, but not married. So the, touch on kind of the divorced single parents. What's the yeah. most important there? 
so again, we would we would go back to guardianship. Um, you know, if if you were a single parent, the likelihood of you and your uh, the the parent of your child dying at the same time in in a common accident would be much smaller than if you are cohabiting or married and you travel in the same car together, take trips together, that sort of a thing. Um, but I mean, if you're a parent with small children, period, I'm always going to tell you that that guardianship is, is important. Um, because let's say you pass away and it, the kid goes to their dad and then dad passes away a couple of years later and neither one of you left a will. Well, you know, at least if we preserve your will, then your guardianship provisions can, can come into place down the road. Even if you um, died I mean, first, yeah. I mean, if if you died first and then the second one had a will, then that will would technically override. But you know, so that's yeah. why. Again, if you're if you're not living together, you're not married. You're probably not doing this process together. And sixty yeah. percent of the population doesn't have anything in place. So if you can control what you put in place, you're that much farther ahead than worrying about the fact that you know mom, the other mom or dad didn't didn't do what they were supposed to do. So, yeah. What about uh, parents with kids with special needs? Um, so in that case, the most important part would be uh, a trust um, and guardianship. Really, those two would, would be um, equally important. And then if you're talking about a special needs trust or a special needs child, that doesn't end at 18. So the guardianship... Yep. Uh, conservatorship, you would need to actually establish for your child after they turn 18 in the event that they they have that level of need. Um, and then you would also need to dictate in that adult with impairment guardianship, who would be the standby guardian who would be able to step up in the event that you're not in that court proceeding, as well as you would want to put that in your will. Um, your your trust, you would want to make sure is drafted to include special needs provisions and, and put perhaps just that one child's share in a special needs trust. Um, and depending on if it's the type of assets, life insurance versus retirement accounts, we used to never put retirement accounts in a special needs uh, trust, or at least as a last resort because of, I'll save you all that complexity. Um, but now with the SECURE Act and the, the drastic changes that that put in place, now we want to funnel retirement plans to a special needs child um, or special needs individual over, over anybody else because they have different uh, tax provisions that are, that are allowed than, than somebody else. So um, in, in the event of a, um, uh, special needs child, it, it would be equally guardianship and, and a trust. Um, and then just as a kind of bonus throw in, if you have parents who have an estate plan and they're leaving you a share, they don't want to just leave your share to your kids. They would want to leave your share to your trust so that that way it's all swept up in that special needs. Because otherwise, with your trust, we can only control your assets. But if you pass away first before your parents and then you get an inheritance, now all of a sudden the special needs trust that we put in place for your kid is great, but they're disqualified because of some other inheritance that they received. So it's it's even more holistic than your assets. It's literally where can I possibly inherit or, or find money, so to speak. Awesome. Well, <clears throat> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, I appreciate you hanging in. 
<laughs> it's we, we I, I tend to go long on these, so I. But it's all good information, stuff that we need to know, uh, yeah. be thinking about. Um, and I think uh, you and Jessica provided the listeners with some some good information that they need to know that they can kind of move forward, take some action, not feel like they're flying blind. Um, yeah. If someone wants to reach out to you, connect, or uh, do you do consultations as well? Yes. Um, how can yeah. they get a hold of you? So um, I do the same thing as Jessica. My consultations are complimentary. Um, you can call my office number at 913-400-3447. My assistant will answer, and she always sets up a quick 15-minute phone call. Unless you absolutely 100% say, I want to use Jamie as my estate planning attorney, or I know exactly what I need. And when we do that 15 minute phone call to make sure that you are, uh, that I'm a good fit for you and that you want to proceed with me, because I don't want you to have to do, you know, fill out a packet of information and send it to me just to find out that, oh, okay, that's, that's really not what I wanted. So um, the, the full hour consultation is still complimentary, but um, if I can save, save you some time and, and headache with that quick 15 minute call, then I want to do that. So I always want to explain, that's why I set up that 15 minute call first so that I can fully understand. It also helps me to understand, oh, you do have a special need. So I need to talk a little bit more about this during our consultation, or you have no kids at home. So we don't even need to worry about guardianship period, you know, that sort of a thing. It helps me in that 15 minutes tailor that hour more to you. Um, I also have a website. It's very creative name. So I hope you guys are ready for this. It's (laughs) weeslawfirm.com. So W E E S is in Sam E lawfirm.com. You can email me Jamie at weeslawfirm.com. Or you can check out my daily dad jokes on my Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one time I wish I was on Facebook. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, hey, thanks again. And uh, till next time. All right. Thanks, Kyle. This has been great. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Thanks. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Now you can find more information about our guests, Jessica and Jamie, in the show notes. If you'd like more information about me or Hilltop Financial Planning, you can visit hilltopfp.com. For links and resources mentioned in the podcast, be sure to check out the show notes. Also, be sure to hit the subscribe button, or I guess now on Apple it's follow. Uh, We don't charge, so I guess uh, some say the advice is worth what you pay for it. Um, Not advice. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, yeah, subscribe, follow. So you get all the new episodes when they drop. And if you could do me a favor and leave the podcast review, that would be appreciated. Helps the podcast. Uh, so I'm told, uh, so we can vault up the personal finance charts. Um, remember five stars is the appropriate number of stars. And you can find personal finance from the Hilltop where podcasts are found, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I think we're on Amazon, um, the website. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Anyways, at Hilltop, we continue to bring on new clients. So if you or someone you know are interested in discussing how we can help you find financial freedom, go to our website and click on schedule a call in the upper right-hand corner. We offer a free 30-minute introductory call, no sales pitch, 
just a conversation mm-hmm. about you, what you're looking for, and how I can help. I say we and our, um, it's me <laughs> uh, at this point. So, anywho, uh, you know, beginning of the year, uh, finishing up the year, beginning of the new year is a great time to reassess your financial priorities and see, um, put together a plan uh, for the upcoming year and uh, make sure you're on track to achieve those goals that you're setting, whether it's retirement, um, you know, buying a new house, having a family, um, all those sorts of things. Uh, Life continually evolves and changes, um, and so uh, we're here to help. Lastly, the dreadful, scary disclaimer that I was advised by my compliance to read, and that is... Everything on this podcast is of my opinion or my guest opinion and is not meant to be taken as investment advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as a fiduciary. This podcast is for educational purposes only. Hilltop Financial Planning LLC is a state registered investment advisor in the state of Missouri, but serves clients nationwide where exempt from registration. That was my uh, uh, little bit of Ted Lasso there. Great show. Yeah. Uh, another episode of Personal Finance from the Hilltop in the books. Signing off from the Hilltop, I'm Kyle Hill. <laughs>